This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 166. Today's episode is all about the surprising power of introverts. We hear a lot of talk about like the five love languages, you know, words and service and gifts and touch and quality time. But introverts and extroverts even need those in different volumes. So like a words of affirmation, introvert would probably love a personal note. Whereas a words of affirmation extrovert might love it if you pull them up in front of the team on Monday morning and say, good job in that way. So even that distinction, you know, we can try to love each other well and then be like, hey, I had great intentions. I thought I was doing something loving and instead it didn't turn out quite the way I hoped. So I think even subtle things like that, just knowing about each other can help prevent misunderstandings. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes. Plus, you want to know basically the best way to give back to your favorite podcasts? actually go to the iTunes app and leave a five-star review. Reviews are scientifically proven to make me love you more. That's just how it is. I love you when you leave me a review. You sit in my heart for days at a time. No, but seriously, they really help the growth of the show. They're probably the number one thing that you can do besides supporting my sponsors or joining the membership. So it's an easy, free way to give back to a podcast you love. And if you do leave me a review, send it to me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram, and I'll send you a free meditation track. Today, I'm going to share a review by H. Dawson 28. She says, this show has helped me so much in my spiritual journey I'm on. She talks about real situations that are affecting us and the world. Thank you, Melissa. I relate to everything you talk about. And every time I listen, it's always something I need to hear. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for that review. It really means a lot. Depending on which stats you're looking at, somewhere between 25 and 50% of the population are introverts. Well, there's a lot of misconceptions about introverts. People tend to think that they're super shy or antisocial. But what's closer to accurate is just that they focus more on internal thoughts and feelings than they do on external stimuli. So the difference between being shy and being an introvert is that shyness is more of a fear of social situations, whereas introverts just have a preference of their social situations. They might prefer small groups to big groups or deep conversations with one person to a lot of surface level conversations with a lot of people. I've had a lot of confusion about which one I am, an introvert or an extrovert, but as I learn more, it's becoming pretty clear why I've been so confused. For years, when I was dealing with my trauma, I wanted nothing to do with my inward feelings, so I numbed them all out with alcohol and party drugs and Adderall and food. Well, it's pretty easy to act like an extrovert when you're all hopped up on stimulants. And even now, I'm somewhere on the spectrum, but I much more relate to introverts. 
Actually, we tend to view introverts and extroverts as total opposites, but most people actually do land somewhere in the middle. So like I said, what most people assume about introverts are myths or misconceptions, and a lot of those assumptions seem like weaknesses. But the truth is, being an introvert is actually a superpower. If you're an introvert, you tend to be a good listener. You think before you speak. You usually notice things that other people miss. Yeah, you enjoy time alone, but you also really care about people. So you prefer quality over quantity in your relationships. And your mind is always active. All these traits can lead to deep insights, more meaningful relationships, clearer ideas. There's actually a lot. In my public speaking program, I was really surprised as to how many people identified with being an introvert also. I would never have thought that all these people willing to go on a stage in front of tens or hundreds of people would not have been extroverts. Some really powerful public figures are actually introverts, like Albert Einstein, Oprah, Michael Jordan, Meryl Streep, Abraham Lincoln. I guess it just goes to show that you can't really put people in a box. Well, being an introvert doesn't come without struggles. You may tend to overthink or you compare yourself a lot to others. You might let fear or lack of confidence hold you back. But here's the thing. Your struggles can be transformed into your greatest strengths. We just need to know the right tools to get the job done. And that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Holly Girth. She's a best-selling author, licensed counselor, and life coach, and she's going to share everything that we need to know from brain science to the psychological, relational, and spiritual aspects of being an introvert. And she's an introvert herself while also being a very public figure, so there's a lot that we can learn from her. Three key things that we will learn are how introverts and extroverts differ in their nervous system responses, how to beat your struggles and maximize your strengths as an introvert, and the best way for introverts to find meaningful connections. But before we dive in, do you wish there was a way to start each day with a little reminder of your own power? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start their day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal power lists to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Holly Girth to the show. Thank you for having me, Melissa. So first, I'm curious, what got you interested in studying what it really means to be an introvert? Well, I first heard the word introvert in college at a campus ministry meeting, and it was like a light bulb going on in my mind. I thought, there's not only a name for the way I engage with the world, but a lot of other people engage with the world the same way I do, too. But for a long time, I only knew one part of the story of being an introvert, which was I didn't love small talk. (laughs) I knew I wasn't wanting to go to parties every night, but I didn't 
understand the strengths and the gifts and how it's really wired into us. It's not about small talk. It's about our brains and nervous systems. And so I became a life coach and author and counselor and talked to many other introverts and just thought, I want every introvert or extrovert who loves leads or shares life with one to know the whole story about being an introvert too. Yeah, it's interesting because I've only recently really understood my being an introvert. And going through your book, I realized that a lot of people do sort of go more introverted as they age. But for me, I was always a little bit confused because I went through this stage of trying to escape my life from just traumas that had happened. And so with that came alcohol and drugs and all these things that kind of push you into being an extrovert. And so when I stopped those things, I was going through like this identity crisis of like, do I not want to go out? Am I depressed or I feel fine being (laughs) inside? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a story I've talked to so many introverts with a similar story. That's kind of been part of mine too. You know, those different things, like you mentioned, alcohol actually releases dopamine in our systems, which is the more extroverted chemical, which makes them feel best. And so a lot of times introverts either look to things outside themselves like substances to be more extroverted because we think we have to, or we don't realize we're introverts because those things are such a big part of our lives for a long time. And then all all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, (laughs) maybe I'm wired differently than I thought. So it's been interesting to hear from other introverts, similar stories. So what does it really mean to be an introvert? And are there like what percentage of the world is really made up of introverts? Actually, half of the population is made up of introverts, which is interesting. We probably wouldn't guess that because as, uh, culturally as a whole, we lean a little more extroverted just as far as the personality of our culture. But actually, one of every two people in any given room is likely to be an introvert. And Susan Cain, who wrote the book Quiet, has a great definition. She just says that introverts are people who prefer minimally stimulating environments. And so an introvert is at their best when they can do things like fully focus on a project they're passionate about, have a meaningful conversation with just one person, have space in their lives or schedules for ref reflection when there's just not as much coming at us from the outside. So you had mentioned that there's a lot of misconceptions about being what an introvert actually is and that introverts and extroverts actually differ in their nervous system responses. How so? Yeah, so there's three kind of primary differences from a brain and nervous system perspective. So I'll just go through those real quick. So first is the neurotransmitter that I mentioned, dopamine. So extroverts feel their best through this neurotransmitter called dopamine, which acts kind of like caffeine. It revs us up, prepares us for action. It's released when a lot's coming at us from the outside. And so introverts already have a level of dopamine that feels pretty good. It's like we've had our morning cup of coffee, and if we have a whole lot more coming at us, it feels like having a whole pot. We're maybe exhilarating at first, but eventually exhausting. And we feel better through a different neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, which I say works more like herbal tea. So it's released when we do the activities I mentioned, like turning inward, meaningful conversation, focusing on a project we're passionate about. And then we have two sides to our nervous systems, parasympathetic and sympathetic. One revs us up, one relaxes us. You can imagine which type goes with which. And then we even use different primary brain pathways for processing. 
So extroverts use a pathway that's shorter, faster, more focused on the present. Introverts use one that's longer, more complex, and takes into account the past, present, and future. So that's why sometimes introverts need a little bit of time before we respond. It's because we are using that brain pathway, which comes with strengths like reflection, adding context, often creativity, depth, insight. But we might need a little bit of time before we're ready to respond. And that's something that can be helpful for extroverts to know that we're just wired a little differently and in complementary ways. That's fascinating because... For a long time, I kind of looked at the introvert-extrovert things similar to how you would uh, like the Myers-Briggs or taking some sort of test where it might change. It's Some of it seems to be about personal perspective, but the fact that there's actually differences, biological differences within us is really interesting. But it makes me wonder, what about all of the people that consider themselves ambiverts? Yes, I I have a controversial position on this one because I don't really believe in ambiverts. I think that we're all on a continuum of introversion and extroversion. None of us are 100% one or the other. But they've done studies from infants and then followed them into adulthood where they have looked at some of these characteristics and they stay pretty consistent throughout our lives. So we all become a little more introverted as we age, but the studies don't show us crossing that line and becoming a different type. It's more like being right or left-handed. So we use both of our hands all day, every day for many different tasks, but we tend to rely on one more because it's naturally stronger and look to it, especially in certain situations. So that's more what it's like to be an introvert or extrovert. So when it comes to being ambidextrous, being able to use both hands, 1% of the population actually is. And my guess would be it's probably like that when it comes to introvert, extrovert too. I do tend to think people are one or the other. Most often, I find introverts who don't fully understand what it means to be one, thinking they must be an ambivert. That would have been me for a long time. Yeah. So, well, you had this whole graph in your book, The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, and it did show that when a lot of times when people age, they do kind of move a little bit over on the spectrum. You on, still on their side of introvert or extrovert. Why is that? Is it just maturing, the less need to be social, less energy? What are the reasons that we might move a little bit? I think it's partly that just as we get older, we settle into more familiar relationships and settings that could be a piece of it. And then some of that brain and nervous system wiring just it looks like it just heads that direction a little bit for all of us. And so, yeah, that's an interesting thing. And I've actually had a lot of people say that to me. You know, I'm becoming more of an introvert as I get older. And (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I think it's because when we're younger, there's so much about external experiences that help us figure out who we are. As I said that, I was arguing with myself in my head because I think we can be taught a different way, but most of us really aren't. And so most of my early 20s, my late teens were like looking to other people and wondering, is that who I am? Is this what I like? Instead of going inward and figuring that out myself, which is something I will do differently with my child or at least try. But then as I'm older, it's like I know those things already. I don't need to go try this type of concert that I already know I don't like or this party that I already know I don't like, whereas I would have maybe said okay for the social experience back in the day. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that totally makes sense to me. Or in our 20s, we're probably out there dating more or looking for our dream job. You know, those things that come with certain seasons of life sometimes. And that makes sense that later in life, maybe those aren't the top of our list anymore. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash mindlove. One of the things that you talk about is you actually do go into things like the Myers-Briggs and the four tendencies and the Enneagram. How do those things relate to being an introvert or an extrovert? Well, I think all of us approach the world from one of three perspectives, from a place of self-criticism, which is really that inner critic voice and insecurity, self-focus, which is more that pride and it's all about me. Or self-awareness, which is saying, okay, I'm going to take a look at who I really am, my strengths and my vulnerabilities and understand them so that I can use them to the fullest. And so I think tools like the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, just help us put language to what is true about who we are. It doesn't define us. It just reveals what is already there. And then we can decide what to do with that information I think it also helps us understand other people. There's sort of this myth that self-awareness can equal selfishness, but I've seen the opposite, that the most self-aware people are the most appreciative of others' differences because they can say, this is who I am. This is who you are. 
Let's both be all we're created to be because we make each other better. When we're not self-aware, we tend to think everyone should think and act and respond like us, which obviously doesn't work out well a lot of the time. And so that's why I included tools like those in the book for self-awareness. And also, even with an introvert, of course, we're vastly different. So before we talked about introversion and generalities, I thought it would be helpful to say, okay, but who are you specifically? Because we're all so different, no matter if we're introvert, extrovert, what kind of categories help describe us, we're all so unique. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the difference of like getting a deep astrology reading or just like reading what's in the back of a magazine. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I, I am not like a 12th of the whole world. I guarantee it. But it's, it's funny. The point you brought up about the, those that have those boundaries with themselves tend to be less selfish. I totally see that. And I I immediately had somebody come to mind and she used to be a friend and she was one of those people that would give and give and give, but it always felt a little bit off because with all that giving, there was this expectation that you better match this or else you don't quite care as much. And so every little thing that she'd kind of give or show up for you for, there was like that hesitancy of, what do you expect from me? I'm, <laughs> I'm really busy right yeah. now. Like, and so I totally feel that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably a great sign for people to look for is if someone is expecting you to match them, then that's probably coming from a place of a lack of self-awareness instead of saying, you compliment me, like your friend saying, okay, I give in this way, but maybe Melissa has a totally different way of showing love to people in her life. Like, let me get curious about that instead of assuming she's going to do it just like I am. And then having resentment when that doesn't happen. So I think that's a great red flag to look out for. Yeah. And I will say that for me, I didn't understand boundaries until I was like 30 years old. (laughs) And when I actually got boundaries, I was able to show up for other people so much better because I wasn't exhausted all the time. And I wasn't trying to give in, in all the ways that I can now actually identify the meaningful ways. Because like you said, I am more aware of who I am, which makes me it easier to be more aware of who other people are and it makes it easier to show up for them in the way that might mean something to them rather than just like throwing gifts at them or just like trying to be there or whatever that whatever happens (laughs) yeah or even we hear a lot of talk about like the five love languages you know words and service and gifts and touch and quality time but introverts and extroverts even need those in different volumes so like a words of affirmation introvert would probably love a personal note whereas a words of affirmation extrovert might love it if you pull them up in front of the team on monday morning and say good job in that way So even that distinction, you know, we can try to love each other well and then be like, hey, I had great intentions. I thought I was doing something loving and instead it didn't turn out quite the way I hoped. So I think even subtle things like that, just knowing about each other can help prevent misunderstanding. So I've had different thoughts about the ideas of labels. And for me, I love them. Like I love taking a quiz online and figuring out which Twilight character I'm like, not not really, (laughs) not really. I go deeper than that, but I don't know why that just popped into my head. But I love those types of identity assessments like the Enneagram, like the love languages. And I've also thought at times 
there have been times in my life where I'm like, well, I'm an introvert. I'm not going to do that. Or I'm, I'm this, I'm not going to do that. Where's the line of using a label like this as a way to better know yourself or as almost like a superpower, something that helps you in your life versus something that limits you and holds you back? Yeah. I think asking myself, am I avoiding or in ultimately engaging with my life in the way I want to be. And so if every time someone experiences fear, they pull the introvert card, then that's probably avoidance. And of course, all of us do that from time to time. And interestingly enough, I've discovered through this process, so introverts sometimes avoid people, but extroverts sometimes use people to avoid themselves. Ooh. So flipping that, do I am I always with people in order to avoid some things in my internal world for extroverts? Or am I strategically choosing, say, not to go to an event because something else matters more to me or because I know I'll be wiped out and my kid needs me tomorrow? Does it ultimately lead me, this decision, to a more engaged, abundant life? Or does it reflect a pattern of withdrawal? So I think that distinction is important because a lot of times introverts say, oh, I'm not allowed to spend time alone, like I'm isolating myself. But if that time alone is part of a rhythm of pulling back and then reengaging, then that's healthy. It's only if we are constantly withdrawing and living a life where we are not engaged in the way that we want to be. So I think just pausing and asking, what's the ultimate result of this decision and does it align with what matters most to me can be a helpful distinction. So say you're an introvert and you're ignoring all of the things that introverts should do. You're just like going <laughs> about your life kind of like basically my entire life until I was understanding that this is who I am. Um, what are some of the things that we need to look out for? Or what are some of the consequences of not sort of tailoring your life to what might be best suited for the way your nervous system does work. Yeah, I lived that. I, especially when I first started publishing, I just told myself, I have to be an extrovert now. I have to do all the things for all the people all the time, everywhere. And so, especially with speaking invitations, I started getting asked to speak a lot. And I said yes to all of them. And after a few years, I was at this conference where I'd been at the keynote and in the Sunday morning service, I couldn't stop crying. And faith's important to me. And I felt like God was saying to my soul, go home. And I knew he meant get on a plane, go home, take a nap, but also go home to who you really are, to your truest self. And I think we can all lose that from time to time, even with the best of intentions. And so I pushed myself to the brink of burnouts. I've struggled with anxiety and depression off and on most of my life. It pushed me in, back into that. So I needed to go home and see a counselor and my doctor and cross some things off my schedule and reflect and say, how can I learn to start strategically saying no, and also tell the people in my life, I'm not okay. So that's what I did. I just told them, like, I'm not okay. I can't keep living this way. And so over about a year, I just reevaluated what I needed as an introvert. That was such a big part of it. And so instead of speaking all the time at big events, which no one is right now, I do things like this, where it feels like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So it's a great fit for me as an introvert. It feels very different than engaging with a crowd for a whole weekend. And just saying, what do I need in my life 
I need time to exercise. I need space to think. I need people in my life to have meaningful conversations with. So I think that's the biggest risk for us is just burnout and coming to a place where we push ourselves into some unhealthy things because we're in pain and trying to be someone we're not and just finding our way home to our truest selves. So how do we start to find that solitude strategically to where we're not missing out on things, we're not holding ourselves back, we're not using it as a crutch, and a lot of us still building businesses, you know, like it can seem sometimes that what we see everybody else doing is the only way to success, but there are a lot of ways, like you mentioned, to continue to build that business, gain a new audience, whatever it has, whatever serves your type of business, or if you're not an entrepreneur, even just relationships and things like that. So where do we start to find that in a more strategic way? Yeah, well, I think for solitude, it's scheduling it into our calendars like we would an important meeting and just starting to do that as a practice. There's been a ton of studies that introverts and extroverts just need that time to reflect Or if someone's in a season that's so crazy they can't do that, then I'd say find a rhythm of solitude that works for you. Like Joanna Gaines is probably one of the busiest women on the planet, also an introvert. And she says her little rhythm is that for five minutes before she goes into something new, she sits in her car. And that works for her. That's probably about all she can get. Or if you're a mom of toddlers, lock yourself in the bathroom, like whatever it takes. And so I think that can be a starting place. Just give ourselves permission. And then one thing I often recommend introverts do is an energy audit. And so that's where for a day or a week, whatever amount of time you want to do, you write down what you do, and then you put a plus by what energizes you, a minus by what drains you, and a question mark if you're not sure. And the goal isn't to have no minuses. We're always going to have minuses. But to identify the ones that are maybe optional, that there are things we've taken on out of obligation or false expectations or someone else has just said, you have to do this. or We've told ourselves we have to do this. And if there are some of those we can let go, then going ahead and doing that and then looking at those pluses to say, what does fill me up? Even if it's different than what other people say should fill me up. That was an interesting finding in the research too, that extroverts and introverts experience happiness differently. For extroverts, it's like enthusiasm and excitement. In introverts, it's more calm and contentment. And so even knowing that, that well-being looks different for introverts and extroverts. So I think Using that superpower we have for reflection and self-awareness and saying, what are the things in my life that I do have control over that I can adjust to help me be where I want to? Yeah, I've recently started meditating before any podcast interviews just because it's like I have to be alert and I keep my brain very open so I can ask questions back. And and it's been so, so helpful, especially because I realized before that a lot of times I'd be like, well, I have seven minutes till this starts and it's not enough time to get into anything. So I'd find myself scrolling on social media. Well, that's something for me that would have a minus next to it, which is so odd because I feel like so many people grab it when they do need a break or they need some sort of, it's like, instead of napping, (laughs) it feels like it takes no energy, but it always leaves me feeling so tired. Have you found any differences between that with introverts and extroverts? Or do you think it's just the same? (laughs) Well, studies are coming out and saying that social media really is draining for all of us. 
but I think even more so for introverts because social media is dopamine based. That neurotransmitter that we talked about being more associated with extroverts. And so every time you get a social media notification or you're engaging in that space, it is a small withdrawal from your energy account, which feels like you said not much at the time. But if you have 100 notifications a day, that adds up to a lot. So that's actually one of the first places I encourage introverts to look is social media and putting boundaries around that. Also, just the level of engagement. We prefer to go deep with people instead of go wide. And so having a broad network of social media acquaintances often just isn't very satisfying. And I hear this from extroverts too, but I think especially for introverts, we end up feeling like one article I read said it's social snacking, but it's not what really fills us up in the way we long for. So that there is some neuroscience behind why Social media is especially draining for introverts. And I think, again, just being intentional and saying, how do I want to budget? How much do I want to spend on social media? And what is it costing me? And the deciding, because there's no right or wrong. But I think it's worth thinking through on a personal basis what's right for you. Yeah, it's difficult when you have a business that also requires you to engage in those areas. But I find some of those tools that keep me off of it while pushing towards it, such as Planoly for Instagram or any of those scheduling things are really helpful because you don't get sucked in. I even have um, a Chrome extension or a Brave extension. I switched browsers so Google can't steal more of my data. But <laughs> uh, it's an extension that when I log into Facebook, all I see is an inspirational quote instead of oh, any, nice. any of the feeds. It's really, really nice. But wow. it's still difficult because I can still go click on that notification. I can still go see those things or download yeah. it on my phone. And so it's not a surefire way to avoid it, but it's having those tools is definitely helpful. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think that's a great example of for a lot of times for introverts, it's just saying, what strategies do I need and what tools would be helpful and those are great ideas. I'm going to go check those out. <laughs> I didn't know about that one where you can just see the quote on Facebook. That sounds awesome. It's called Newsfeed Eradicator. But okay. it's, it's really, really helpful. And I didn't really think about that idea of like introverts wanting to go deeper. And that makes total sense. Because what I found is I'm the type of person who when I see something that I have questions about, I will respond and it will start this long conversation. But because you're not face to face, there's none of that empathetic connection. And so no. the, it ends up being a lot more prime for a fiery conversation, which I absolutely despise on social media. You know, I'm like, this is not yeah. why I'm here. You just stole my day. It's like, how do I exit out all awkwardly? <laughs> Yes, we have all been there, <laughs> especially <laughs> lately. <laughs> so what about when it comes to personal relationships? I know that a lot of introverts have talked about having a hard time making new friends because a lot of times it does take that extroverted attempt of like, I mean, I'm kind of bold with it now. I've moved around a lot since I was little. And so I literally will move to a new city and like find a group on Facebook and be like, who wants to be friends? Or like, <laughs> But that's been something that I've cultivated over years and years and years. And a lot of people aren't comfortable doing something like that. So 
how do you recommend for people to build meaningful connections when it might be a little bit more nerve wracking than it would be for an extrovert? And now for another episode of lies we've been told about our health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How do you recommend for people to build meaningful connections when it might be a little bit more nerve wracking than it would be for an extrovert? Yeah, well, I think first shifting our perspective, like we've kind of been talking about from quantity to quality, because it seems like I should go out and try to make as many friends as I can, which can tend to lead us to social media or somewhere like that. 
but instead saying, okay, I just am going to focus on quality. If I have one quality friendship, then that can do things like impact even how long we live, studies are showing. And that introverts who have a few close friends are often more satisfied than having a big circle of acquaintances. And so releasing ourselves from that pressure. And then often introverts are more comfortable engaging when they are in a role or supporting a cause they're passionate about. So I'd say look for a place where you can be in a role or supporting a cause you're passionate about. So volunteering at a local nonprofit would probably be a place where an introvert feel more comfortable than like going to a cocktail party where it's just small talk the whole time. And this can apply to extroverts too. I don't know if anyone really loves that, but I think especially for introverts that we often see introvert leaders who get mistaken for extroverts because they're in that zone. I call it the zone of brilliance and belonging. They're in a role and supporting a cause they're passionate about. So we see that a lot. Oprah's actually an introvert, which I love because no one would guess that, but you see her in that role where she's connecting with people in a specific way. You know, Jerry Seinfeld, there's some Michael Jordan, Abraham Lincoln, many authors. So just saying, what am I passionate about? And what role do I really enjoy fulfilling, whether that's an upfront leadership role or it's a behind the scenes, make stuff happen role and plug in there. And then the connections tend to naturally unfold and you have that common ground already. And so I think that's a big part of it. And then actually what you said, you invite said you invite people to be friends. You did it through writing first. Yeah. Which I think is a great tactic, too. And so I love that. Like, put it out there in writing somewhere instead of saying, okay, I have to go to this party with this huge crowd of people in person. I'm going to post something or I'm going to text. I'm going to use writing to extend the invitation because our brains use different areas for verbal processing and written communication. And the written tends to be stronger for introverts. And so especially when we're in a fear-inducing situation, if we can use writing, that can be a helpful tactic to get us to go ahead and pull the trigger instead of feeling more uncomfortable in a different kind of situation. That's so true because I actually just recently did it because I just moved from LA to Big Bear in the mountains. And I know a couple people up here, but I have been craving those meaningful connections. Like I, I just want that one girl that will like come over and like have tea with me and watch The Bachelorette, you know, <laughs> like that kind of yeah. friendship. And uh, so I found this group and I was just like, hey, I'm new here. I need friends. And I actually got a few people that reached out to me. And it was funny because the introvert side of me like kicked in. I saw that I got notifications from like in Messenger <laughs> and I like hesitated to read them because I'm like, this is where this is where the connection comes from. And it took me like a day and then I just went in and I was like okay yeah let's grab coffee or something so it's funny but one thing I've realized is that we tend to naturally kind of compare ourselves to others on all the levels whether we're introvert or extrovert and I know that for a lot of introverts depending on how they've framed that idea of being an introvert in their mind they feel like maybe they're comparing themselves to extroverts and maybe the extroverts are the fun ones. So what do I really bring to this relationship? So what are some of the powerful things that extroverts add to a relationship that 
might be even more beneficial than that fun extrovert that they might be comparing themselves to. Yeah. Well, I think especially in our current culture, when we think about what introverts bring, I think the ability to listen well is so powerful. It's so loud right now. And it feels like it's just hard on us because of that. And I think the introvert ability to just listen well is powerful. Like when you think about what makes someone feel truly loved and valued and seen, so much of it is listening. And there's a lot of pain in our world that needs to be heard in a meaningful way. And I think introverts have the capacity to do that. I think our capacity for reflecting instead of reacting, which sometimes frustrates us because we we get in the car and think of what we wanted to say and are like, man, <laughs> but really that's a strength. It, we see right now a lot of reacting, a whole lot of reacting and destructive things happening out of that, broken relationships, misunderstandings, division. And I think that capacity to pause and reflect and be intentional with our words and our actions is powerful and can be really healing. When we look at what introverts have contributed to culture over time, a lot of innovation, creativity, breakthroughs in business, technology, different areas is coming from introverts because we often take time apart from sort of the ongoing cultural conversation to come up with our own ideas. And then we bring that back. One author even says that's the role of introverts throughout history that we sort of engage, we listen, we understand the need, we pull back, we create something to make the need met and then we contribute it. And so we see that with artists, writers, computer programmers, medical breakthroughs, like what you do, creating content through this podcast. And so I think that even if the creator isn't always as visible, the introvert isn't always as visible, there are a lot of valuable contributions that introverts have made. And then I think for all of us, what we talked about relationships, just being a reminder that it's not about quantity, that it's it's about quality. And I sent out a survey to my blog subscribers asking, are you an introvert or extrovert? What's your biggest struggle as an introvert or extrovert? So I got over 2000 responses the first week, 73% of my people are introverts, but the extroverts said their biggest struggle was loneliness, which I did not see coming. And so I think introverts can assume, oh, extroverts don't need me. But what extroverts kept saying was, I know a lot of people have a lot of people in my life. I just wish I could go deeper with someone. And they can, but it doesn't always come naturally to them. It comes more naturally to introverts a lot of the time. And so looking at the extroverts in our lives and not assuming that they have all the connection they want, but that maybe there's something missing from their social lives that we can bring, that we can contribute. And so I think those are a few of the things. And I want to make sure I keep saying I love extroverts. I think they bring me out of my head when I need it. Whenever I go to a conference, the first thing I do is find a designated extrovert to help me walk around the room. (laughs) But I do think there are many gifts that introverts have that our world needs more than ever before. Yeah, one of my best friends is an extrovert, and I love going places with her because I don't have to worry about starting the conversation with the groups of people, but then I can find like the one and pinpoint them and pull (laughs) it out. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's really fun. But what I've, I've been thinking a lot about the whole idea of listening deeper. I actually just did an episode on it and it was all about deep listening skills. And as I was creating the intro for that, that's when I usually deeply think about the topic is when I'm figuring out what I'm going to say, what, what my part is. And this idea where a lot of times we think a meaningful connection means that somebody really knows who we are. But I've figured out that in almost all of my deepest connections, it started out by me first really trying to know who they are. And the reason is it's almost like you're like you don't start a deep friendship by just like sticking your talons in somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's first like digging out of them and, and seeing who they are. And even just that, even if you don't even share anything about yourself back yet, that for me creates such a feeling of companionship or or knowing or understanding because I, I know this person, you know, not much changes uh in my feelings when they fully know me. It does over time, of course, because then it's this back and forth. But to start like feeling that loneliness and to start out by saying, well, how can I heal this by first giving what I need myself, giving that sense of receptiveness or understanding of somebody else? And I've found that it almost always just naturally flows back. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful. And I think what you just shared even translates into leadership because there's been studies that have found that one said that introvert CEOs were actually slightly more likely to exceed the expectations of their boards and investors. But it's because they came in with the approach that you just described. Instead of saying, here's my agenda, they came in and said, I'm going to listen. I'm going to get to know this team. I'm going to get to know this group of people. I'm going to get to know this cause. And then together, we're going to figure out how to move forward. So I think what you just shared is powerful in friendship. I also think it's powerful in business and so many different areas of our lives. So we talked a little bit about how you have altered your schedule as a business owner to fit your needs of being an introvert. I'm curious, I feel like I tend to go in these waves where I'm ready to connect and to put out things and whatever. And then all of a sudden, I go inward for like six weeks. And, and I want everything to just be scheduled and no one to have any expectations of me. Is that a normal thing? Or is that yes. just individual? <laughs> Very much so. I think not only normal, but healthy. Because we, as introverts, we give it all we've got, and then we reach our done point, and we need recovery. And I read an article, it was actually about runners one time, but it was talking about how you need mental maturity for rest days just as much as you need it for crossing a finish line. And I think we can forget that. We think, I just have to run all the time. But the best runners know you run as hard and as far as you can, and then you recover so that you can run as hard and as fast as you can again. And so I think that is a rhythm that makes a lot of sense, not just for introverts, but especially for introverts and not feeling any guilt or hesitation about that. I'm in a season like that. I just launched a book. I was out front all the time. <laughs> And it was exhausting. And so I'm taking, I'm calling it a semi-sabbatical, which I don't even know what that really means. But it means I get to pull back for a while. 
and process and reflect and refuel and then I'll be ready to go again. So I think that's wisdom for you to be doing that. And I think there's just something so powerful about mindset shifts about things. So I find it really important to, I audit my thoughts a lot. I've brought a lot of self-awareness to them. And so I could sit here and be like, I just can't keep up with these other people. What are they doing? Which, first of all, by the way, you never know if they're having their team handle six weeks of their stuff and it just looks like all this pre-recorded stuff. (laughs) So never compare what you think is going on with what actually is. But also, that doesn't serve me at all. There's nothing about beating myself up for needing that downtime that serves me or my purpose. And just understanding that oh, there might be a reason for this. Maybe it helps you to look into that reason and find something concrete outside of yourself. Maybe it just helps you to decide to say, this is how I'm feeling and I'm going to honor my needs and that's perfectly okay. I don't need a reason beyond that. So understanding how you are framing what you're doing and how it's going to serve your next move forward can be really, really important. So Thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. It's been so enlightening. I've learned, I thought I knew a lot about being an introvert until I read your book and (laughs) I realized I hardly knew anything. So for listeners that are interested in learning more, where is the best place for them to connect with you online? They can find me at hollygerth.com and it's H-O-L-L-E-Y-G-E-R-T-H.com. And I have a little one minute quiz over there right now called What Percent Introvert Are You? So everybody's got a little introvert in them. So if you want to hop over there and take that, you can find out. And it's fun to find out who, what your friends and family are too. Awesome. I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. And thanks again. Yeah, thank you. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 166. So the challenge this week is for the introverts. First, if you're on the fence and you're like, I'm not really sure if I'm an introvert, that's your first step. Find a test online, go over some of the things we talked about in this episode, and figure out where on the scale you feel like you may land as an introvert. The way I like to do this is the most helpful for what I'm gonna challenge you with moving forward. Just start to write down all the traits that you think make you an introvert. You might still have extroversion qualities. I know I do, but that doesn't really matter. Again, we're all on the spectrum because it's not like we're trying to figure out, hey, which box do I fit into? It's more like we're trying to figure out which of my qualities are introverted. Now, where are these qualities holding me back and where are they moving me forward? So. I like to notice my superpowers first because I find it is a lot more motivating, but for some people it might be easier to find the things that hold them back because that's how they're used to thinking. Whatever you want to do. When you start to see the ways that being an introvert might be holding you back right now, I want you to challenge some of those things. See the positive spin that you might have on it. So maybe you don't like being around big social situations so you've thought of yourself as antisocial. But what situations do you like being around? Where do you like to connect with people? Or how do you like to connect with people? And when you do that, what are some of the benefits of connecting with people in those ways? And go through the list. Which step is holding you back? How can you reframe that? And what are the benefits of the way that you prefer to work? Reframing our lives in this way can help us to change the way that we see ourselves. And we already know that it's our self-belief that really creates our life. 
If we believe something about ourselves, that tends to be the invisible fence that we keep ourselves in or that we expand ourselves out into. So if I don't believe that I like people, I'm going to design a life that is devoid of people. If I believe that I create meaningful connections in intimate situations, I'm going to create a life in which I have a lot of meaningful relationships. So it's so important to take stock of the beliefs that are running our lives and time to time challenge those, especially if we feel like it's holding us back. If this episode was helpful for you or you know of an introvert who needs to hear it, please share this podcast by tapping the little share button and sending it to a friend or take a screenshot and tag me at mindlovemelissa and share it on Instagram. Also, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you want to support the show or join my exclusive membership at mindlove.com premium. As always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 